0: The greatest that I want to be at is, like, balance. Being able to do the lifts, being able to be really great at business, being able to be, like, a great husband or, or uh, what a father, whatever it may be, but just have a holistic balance. And while somebody may be able to stay up later than me and work, that's okay, you do you. But I don't think that person could compete with me when it comes to managing the lifts, managing, um, at least right now, the school, the job, the the girlfriend, all these different things, right?
1: Hello, everyone. On this episode of Overdue, we had Will Lawson. Will is the co-founder of Resolve, a startup helping crypto businesses recover their stolen assets. Hear about how Will himself got thousands stolen in crypto and how Resolve was initially just an idea in his TE250 class and has since gained support from investors. Outside of Resolve, Will's top priority is being the best at balance. With a 4.0 GPA, 315 bench, and a passion-igniting startup, he is definitely living true to this claim. This one was a great time to record, so I hope you all enjoy.
2: Welcome to Overdue, where we cover the stories of certified project starters and ambitious entrepreneurs, from college students to accomplished professionals. Guess that they're like,
1: that's what I was gonna say to each their own. I mean, if that's what he wants to devote life to, yeah, let him
2: do it. Yeah, I mean, and for us as a podcast, but for <laughs> you as a result, right? What? So, I mean, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, okay, I we know we've heard that you started it from your TE 250, TE 250. Mm-hmm. I got the course number, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, like From the idea to enterprise. Yeah. So like, I guess, how did it come about? And like, what exactly is it just to like give us a little bit of context, but also the audience who may not know? Yeah. So we can start from the beginning. Ooh, Let's hear it. It started in November 2021.
0: This was like the first time that I ever got into crypto. I was working this internship um, at this company called Ardog, And I had my buddy Jermaine. He was telling me about how he would make all these profits in crypto. He was making like thousands and thousands of dollars and me as i think at that time i was a freshman i was like you're telling me you making money just looking at your phone and hitting buttons so immediately i wanted to start getting into it and that's where he he started to send me some crypto and got me into the space so i'm going through uh, learning about all this crypto stuff and then in june 2022 i'm doing something that was probably stupid in in hindsight you know uh, when you're trying to find, like, a, the cracked version of Adobe Premiere or you're, you're just trying to download a software illegally? Yeah. Or I like, probably should not be doing
2: this. I like, went back in the day when I wanted extra gems and Clash of Clans, And then I'm kind of going through all these little, like, should I really I be here? Yes, yeah, exactly. yeah.
0: So, in my case, I was not trying to pay for Adobe After Effects. And that's where I was scrolling through YouTube trying to find the, the cracked tutorials. I'm looking through all these videos, none of them working. Now, I come across this one video, and immediately, for some reason, I go to the comments, and they start saying, like, oh, thank you, this, this works, thank you so much, I've been looking forever. So I'm like, okay, social proof, social credibility, we'll uh, go ahead and click the video. No joke, the first words that come out of this man's mouth is, you need to turn off your antivirus for this to work. And I was like, ah, you're not going to get me, I'm not going to do it. So I keep scrolling through the video or all the, the YouTube videos, and I'm not finding nothing. For some reason, I come back to this video, and I look at the comments again. Again, they're saying, "Oh, thank you so much! I've been looking for hours, as I was, and it finally worked." Blah blah blah. blah. So I just give it a shot. What's the worst I can have? What's the worst yeah. I can have? It? I download the file that he said. I turn off the antivirus and then I run it, and then nothing happens. So I'm like, ah, oh, okay, it's, it's just a, another video. Now the next day, I pull into work, and my phone starts vibrating. I'm like, what the? I see notifications that say all my crypto, all my assets, everything that I owned in my wallet, which was at the time about $6,000 worth of stuff, was being taken and being sent to a wallet I didn't even recognize. And in that moment, when I tell you my heart dropped, It was like, you know when you're on a roller coaster, and then you're at the top, about to go down, and your stomach just kind of, it was like one of those feelings, and that's because I knew that there was literally nothing I could do, because with the way the blockchain works, once the funds are sent, there's no way that you can get them back unless, say, the hacker decides to send them back to you. So fast forward some time, there was, again, nothing I could do there, but I get into this class T250, and that's where... At the the beginning of the class, they tell us, okay, you've got to pitch an idea, um, build a team and then you're gonna take this idea to enterprise. That's literally the class name from idea to enterprise. And so I'm thinking back to this experience, and I'm like, okay, well, what if we come up with some like bank crypto idea? because the, the idea really started from or it stemmed from this this notion of how having the banks or having you as a consumer being able to call the bank, When, um, say, you get your credit card stolen and then all you have to do is let them know and they're able to get the money back from you. Right. So it stemmed from that. But I didn't know how I was going to build the thing. So I just pitched that idea and I said I wanted to bring it to the crypto world. In that class, there was this one guy that since like day one, I hit it off with. His name is Clark. And I pitched him this idea. After I pitch it, he comes up to me and he's like, Will, how do you do you think this will work? Like how feasible do you think it is? I'm like, sure. I don't know. I just pitched the idea." And he's like, "Okay, well, what do you think it'll look like?" And so for 15 minutes, not even, we just sat there on my iPad sketching out little like boxes of what the the UI would look like. And the next day, he came with a full mock-up. I was like, "Oh yeah, this this guy's a go-getter. He takes initiative." And that's who we're going to start the company with. So since then, that was, what, September 2022. Uh, we've made a ton of progress, and we've definitely developed the idea a whole bunch more. So now it has become this this three-phase system. The, the entire business is based on um, token wrapping technology. So essentially, a user would come in, and they'll deposit their crypto assets, specifically what's called ERC ERC20 tokens. They'll deposit them into our multi-signature vaults, is what we'll call it. And in return, they'll receive a protected equivalent of that asset. So say, are, are you guys familiar with crypto? Uh,
2: Not really. Okay. Not really. I'm like following though. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. I, yeah.
0: You're,
1: you're explaining it well, but I'm not too familiar with that, it. Yeah.
2: All right. So yeah. you know Ethereum? Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: Ethereum, I've heard of it at least. Uh, yeah. Cool. So Ethereum in itself is not an ERC-20 token, but for the sake of this example, we'll just say ETH. So you have your ETH, say you own it, and you wanna go ahead and protect it. You'll deposit it into this system, and then in return you'll receive protected ETH. Now the two tokens, they function basically exactly the same. The only difference is that with the protected ETH, if it were to ever be stolen, we have built-in recovery functions that allow us to take the asset out of the hacker's wallet and then return them to a designated wallet, recovery wallet of your choosing. So that's that first part, the token wrapping, what we call protection system. And then, say the inevitable happens where you get your funds stolen, you'll go ahead and submit your evidence, which is phase two, and that'll go to this uh, decentralized system of jurors that we like to call the resolvers. (laughs) These people can come from anyone, be anyone, come from anywhere. Um, There's like a few requirements that they have to meet, but for the most part, it's this system that allows anybody to really participate in it. And so when you submit this evidence, it's the resolvers who will be able to look over that transaction and determine whether or not fraud has occurred. Just like our jury system in the US, right? And if they are on your side and say that, yeah, the fraud has occurred, then we're able to tap into our freeze and recover algorithms and trace those funds wherever they are, even if they've they've traveled through multiple wallets and be able to, again, strip them from that, the hacker's wallet and return to you what's rightfully yours so that's it in a nutshell
2: i see i see <laughs> wow. i have uh, you explained that very very well because i was about to say well like one thing i'm a little bit uh i just want to make sure i understand so when i have those funds initially in my wallet like i think did you say ETH? Like yep. eth okay when i like have those funds initially what was that saying what were you explaining when like the whole like protected like you you also have to purchase something that's protected Or there's, like, copies of the, of, like... Can you just explain that part again real quick?
0: Yeah, yeah. So we'll walk through it again. Say you have your ETH. You just bought some ETH, and now you want to go ahead and protect it. Okay. You'll deposit it into what's called our custodial vault. Custodial vault is really, on the back end, it's a multi-signature smart contract. But what you can really think of it as is, you know how banks, at least in the movies, they have these huge vaults that they'll turn around. (laughs) In the vault, there's the gold and the... Uh, all the money and everything, but they put it in the vault to keep it safe, right? Now, the money that you put into that vault, you need some way to know that it's yours. So say there's gold in the vault, then you need to know somehow that the gold is yours. So in return, the bank may give you a bank note or the US dollar, for example, when the dollar was backed by gold, Mm -hmm. right? So by the same token, with our system, you'll deposit your ETH into this vault And then in return, you'll receive this banknote, which is your protected token. And then the protected token, you can do whatever you want with it. But it's just with, if if it's ever stolen, we're able to get it back.
1: So does the protected token work kind of like ETH would be, like the way ETH works? Like you could spend it anywhere ETH is accepted? Yeah. Well,
0: not anywhere ETH is accepted, but because this would be a new token. Okay. So... At that point, it would really just be like a business relations uh, type of problem where we would probably need to set up partnerships with different businesses. So is, if you wanted to buy an NFT, like on OpenSea with protected tokens, us as Resolve, we would have to form a partnership with OpenSea so that they could accept these protected tokens.
1: Is Are these like protected tokens, your guys' own form of crypto? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you guys, okay. you guys made like this... Whole new currency, almost. Yeah. Okay. That okay. That, that that's no, where the yeah, no, no, yeah, no that yeah. That uh sense.
2: that analogy used where it's like how they how uh the dollar used to be backed by gold mm-hmm. that helped that like I feel like that crystallized it like in like in our understanding. But okay, I see. Wow. Yeah. That was that damn. So like. That's one of I'm the just, best
1: explanations I've heard for, like, yeah. something as complicated as that. So. I, I
2: love, I love like, the whole question where it's like, oh, like, if you really do understand something, explain it to me like I'm in fifth grade or those <laughs> things. Like, those are, uh, that's when you really get to like, if somebody, like, understands, like, the whole, like, nuances and everything. And, like, wow, that was, I'm just thinking about looking down in my pocket and realizing $6,000 of my crypto.
0: Yeah. Come I'm on. telling you, when... <laughs> That's actually something that I probably wouldn't even wish on my worst enemy because it's one thing to have your money stolen and at least like you know the guy who stole it or at least even if you don't know the guy, there's a way to find out and be able to get it back. But given the the way that the blockchain works, not only can somebody just take it without you being able to get it back, but there's so much anonymity that the blockchain itself provides. And so most times you don't even know who took it from you. And there's... It takes years and years and years to even begin to find that person, nonetheless, get it back. For $6,000, that's a drop in the bucket. I mean, like, chump change for yeah. most yeah. people. So. Most people aren't even gonna look into it.
2: Yeah. But at our age though, that's like that's a that's a pretty that's so a pretty a big for me it was damn Pro- near everything I had at the time.
0: Yeah.
1: It probably feels even worse considering you were contemplating downloading that that's that software or whatever it was. Yeah. Um He, but- by,
2: he probably bought it out the he probably bought it out his oh, YouTube what? comments. I, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See that's-
0: understand that now I will never pirate any software. That was the the one lesson I learned for sure. Like now I paid for all my Adobe products shout out to adobe
2: (laughs) well one thing i am curious about is this is probably i guess a problem that many other people have stumbled across right just because it's pretty natural so like what makes you think like as like a college student i know you're senior you're about to be graduating we just talked about like this is going to be your main focus when you're out as well as probably is as well now but what do you think makes you and your team different to be able to like solve that problem and really like bring resolve to like to were like, the top of the industry? Yeah. One, the main thing is the fact that I experienced the problem.
0: And so it's no longer this thing that, I don't know, you see a market uh, analysis or you see this trend going up with crypto rising. And you'd be like, oh yeah, I should maybe hop into this space. Now, nah, for me, this is a personal mission now. Because like <laughs> yeah. I said, I don't want anybody else to experience this. And so the motivation there is really what continues to drive us. But on top of that, the team that we've built like Clark, uh, me, we just brought a, a CFO on. Though we don't, we're not like those most knowledgeable people in the crypto space. What we do understand is that most people aren't knowledgeable about the crypto space. <laughs> and as a result, we kind of have a different perspective on on how we're building our product. It's like, have you ever heard of the the curse of knowledge? What that is? So no, when you no. know something, it's not like you can ever unknow it. And so, when what we see in the crypto space is that a ton of people they know about like these zk rollups and the throughput of the blockchain and all these uh, super jargony terms, and engineers, especially, are super uh, vulnerable to this. They try and implement all of that into that product, right? But with us being that we don't know most of these things, at least in the beginning we didn't. We just didn't try to implement those things, and as and because of that, it became a super simple product. Like our tagline is we're literally creating a product or a security tool that even your grandma can use and that's just because we're making it that simple now on the technology end i will say um, the base of the technology was actually developed by this woman at stanford well she's no longer at stanford i believe now at circle but her her name is kaylee Wang, and she was the one who developed um, the freeze algorithm as well as like the foundation of this entire thing so we're building on top of her standard but Thank God. She did a lot of the grunt work. I will say.
1: Yeah. Um, I do. I do have another question about it, though. Um, so this might just be this might be a stupid question. because I don't know how crypto works. But like, how? How do you guys like make money off of it? Then? Oh, yeah. Um, like, is is your new protected currency like giving you a feedback? Or like, how does it kind
0: of work? It's even simpler than that. Every time somebody deposits their assets to be protected, we just take a percentage of those assets, what, oh, okay. what percent? So it's it depends on the threshold. So it's a three-tiered uh, percentage threshold, I believe, from like one thousand dollars to, 99,999, to ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. It's five percent. From a hundred thousand to nine hundred ninety-nine nine nine whatever. Yeah. yeah, that's uh three point five percent, and then a million plus is one point five percent.
1: Okay. How much, just out of curiosity, you can answer you don't have to answer this, but like how much do you guys have like of people's money put in there yet? Or are you
0: not launched? So right publicly? now we're super early stage. We don't have okay. a product out yet. Okay. But we did just finish our prototype. And so we're going out seeking LOIs so that way we can Let prove, are prove that they're LOIs are letters of intent. So it's just basically like a promise from um, a customer that they'll deposit their funds or spend money with you once your product is live. But what that'll do is show that there's tangible market interest, and that way, when we approach approach investors or are looking to raise our pre-seed, then they have some confidence to know that yeah, people want this thing.
2: Okay. I see. I see. I see. That's and the great you- thing
0: is that so far we've raised, uh, I believe like twenty four thousand twenty four thousand dollars in
2: LOIs. Oh, wow, that's awesome! So that's uh, great. There's, there's been some decent traction so
0: that's far. Right we
2: just completed our prototype. Yeah, I mean that's what happens when you understand the problem. Yeah. Yeah because so. you've been through it yeah right. that's, that's that's beautiful um but one thing i guess on the same subject but i guess uh, like a different hat of it um but your, your position is a ceo right mm-hmm. so within within your team how many people are on your team just like so the audience is-
0: right now it is one two three four five six seven counting a contractor Um, but he's not full-time so we'll just say six
2: okay so you have this team of six right and you're the ceo i take i take it there's a lot of a lot that you've learned just about teams right of like okay maybe like we want to meet at this time or we want to meet this way or like okay maybe this person's a little bit better at that like i need to be better at like my delegation skills or whatever it may be what have you learned the most in this process about maybe it's leadership, maybe it's more technical stuff. Like what are some lessons that you've learned like throughout this journey so far?
1: Mm.
2: That's a great question. The two things that pop
0: into my mind first and foremost are gonna be communication. Communication is key from a leader. And then second is there's different communication styles with each person on your team. So not everybody communicates in the same way. I say the first one because Originally, when we were like just first starting out, our team has actually rotated a ton. Um, Originally, we had – so we started with the like four people that were in our TE group, uh, TE being the class. That's awesome. And then awesome. Yeah, those four people gone – or like two two of them gone. So now it's just me and Clark. And then we brought somebody else on, uh, no longer there too. And then I believe we brought another person on. And also nobody, uh, just not there, didn't work out also. And with each of these people, they've had, or actually from myself, communicating with each of these people was really the determinant factor in whether or not they got the message and whether or not they would stay. So I think the other thing that comes adjacent to that is having like a ton of responsibility. I feel like I'm guilty of this, that I blame a lot of things on myself, whether it may or may not be the case, but I'll take responsibility over everything. And so when it came to these people leaving or staying, um, I see it as a lack of effective communication on my end. And that's either I wasn't communicating enough, I was under under communicating and not over communicating, or uh, yeah, I wasn't just tapping into their communication styles. Which brings me into my next point, understanding how people communicate is crucial because i mean it's clear that there's like introverts and extroverts and uh, some people they they write they write better or like they do better writing things down or some people they talk better stuff like that but understanding especially your core members of your team how they communicate best is what's really going to allow them to succeed in the organization and thus drive the organization forward so i know recently I felt kind of weird doing it just because I was like, why am I asking this question? But I had to ask my co-founder, how do you communicate? Like, how do you like to be approached in um, certain certain discussions in conflict? How would you communicate there? And then even with the CFO that we brought on, his name is Dhruv, um, he had a completely opposite style than my co-founder, Clark. So that's just something that, is explicit you have to sometimes explicitly ask these things and while they may seem cliche or kind of weird in the moment doing so and having them known and brought to the conscious mind is way better than
2: just like guessing do you think that that's important to kind of establish that way of communication not only like in business but just in friendships and other relationships in life as well is that something that you like prioritize as well
0: yeah absolutely um you might have saw I was reading this book called Crucial Conversations. <laughs> Crucial Conversations. And that's one that really taught me a ton about like communication styles and all that. Yeah, that was that's a great book by the way. You guys should definitely read it.
2: It's it'll be added to the list. That yeah. was I think my parents are giving me a hundred million dollar leads by Hormozy for my parents always give me a birthday book every single year. Yeah. So I they were like, Oh, what do you want this year? And I'm like, A hundred million dollar leads, hardcover copy. That, that's cool. Save the
1: hardcover copy what? on the bookshelf. Not right, yeah. copy. you it's, and
0: Hermosi, wh- I hear. So I've been listening to the pods. You've always got
2: a quote from Hermosi. <laughs> I, always. I know. Well,
1: dude, you had one at the end of. So you well, know we had that little Zoom Zoom meeting. Well, well, no, whoa, yeah, yeah we're, gonna,
2: we're gonna, we're going we're gonna get there, brother. That's we're okay, we're, okay, we're gonna right. get there. <laughs>
1: right, hold it, hold it. Um,
2: I just, I've, I think it's just naturally. You, you, I don't know if you've experienced this, this but I'd go through like phases of kind of like different, like just consuming content by like one person mm-hmm. or like mostly one person where they make up like 80% of the content I consume. And like at one point it was David Goggins. And, like at one point it was Andrew Huberman. Um, I like I'm trying to think back, like at one point maybe it was Chris Williamson or like maybe at one point I was really into My First Million, whatever it was. And... I think the last like six months I've been going through like my Hormozy phase Mm -hmm. and just consuming so much content. And it's just at the forefront of my mind, like so many conversations because instead of listening to like 10 podcast episodes now, I think I've listened to the Hormozy Modern Wisdom one like five times. Really? Because like I'm like there's so much value here. I'd rather have it ingrained to where – I can actually change, like, some of my actions rather than just kind of skimming through books or podcasts to just do it, right? And I found that that would be a better way. And, like, I've just consumed so much Hormozy content that it's just it's just there, you know? And I could hear myself reciting, like, some of his stuff. It's just <laughs>
1: second nature. You hear it so much that, like, just you just say it now. Oh, yeah. Well, because,
2: so. I mean, I, I take it you've experienced this, but sometimes when I'm talking, I'll – do you ever have – Sometimes I'm able to get like, sometimes when I'm talking, well, okay. I put sometimes, okay, when I tweet sometimes, I like, that's when I'm able to articulate thoughts in like a one sentence way. And then when I really take the time to put it in like that one sentence, then in a conversation like this, I'll bring it back to that one second, one sentence articulation that I'll have. And I'll do that with Hormozy one second, like one sentence articulations as well. Do you see, you see what I mean? Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, finish your story. Finish your story.
2: Where was, okay, I go through, oh, wait, where was, oh, I go, wait, wait, where, where were we at where I was like, okay, we go through like phases of like people, you, crucial, oh. Oh, we go, crucial conversations. Oh, Before yes. We move, oh, uh, so like, yeah, with my parents and, okay, every year they give me a book, this year it's going to be a hundred million dollar leads, and right. then every year my mom writes like a two, two page message in it, which is like awesome just like about like just like mom stuff which is which is great so i'm looking for that's for my birthday which is in a couple of weeks how long has she been doing that for my whole life
0: you,
1: you got all the books in your room mm-hmm. Or? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. what's your what's your favorite book so far out of there it's probably a hard question since it probably started with like
2: yeah so anything before like seven like i think there's one book where it's like i love you forever mm-hmm. I'll wait no i I'll, I'll like you for always i love you forever like that's like the like main like theme of it i love those books right but like i don't know how much they're impacting my uh actions these days one of them was can't hurt me um David Goggins. one point it was 12 rules for life uh it's a Jor- jordan peterson book uh, okay um i think my favorite the one that changed me the most was can't hurt me probably at the time it took me like way past like i read it my freshman year of high school mm-hmm. it took me like way past what i should have been at mm-hmm. like i was lifting like I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent here, but like I was lifting like 5 6 days a week, well like baseball practice like 6 days a week, like two games a week on top of like I was studying for my tests like in the car as my mom's driving me home and like
1: gosh.
2: It was I was like bawling, right? Yeah. But it definitely wasn't healthy. And I was also doing that, like, running 25 miles a week. 25 miles that's insane, a week? Dude. Yeah, like, I was just in a different state. Like, because Goggins... Shoot, I might have to read that book now. <laughs> Goggins, like...
1: Dude, if I get a quarter of that, right. that's perfect.
2: When you give Goggins to a high school go- boy, yeah. oh, my God, man. Like, it just does something to your brain. I definitely went
0: through my Goggins phase, too. Well, it, it wasn't even a phase. It was more like how you were talking about... You consume content from one person for a period of time. Goggins was one of those people.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, I, I have one vivid memory where I think I was on, like, mile 20, 20 of the week or something. Oh and I was like, okay, I got I to got <clears throat> – it wasn't like I run 25 miles. I it, sprinkled it out through, throughout the week. It's like, a Friday, and I'm like, okay, I, I need to run today. But I'm like, it's pouring, but I need to run. I'm like, I'm getting out of gym class. My high school track's, like – right outside where everyone else is walking out of school and my gym class was my last period and i'm like i need to run i'm like i'm not gonna not run that's just not an option so it's downpouring, right and i'm just running in shorts like in the rain and all these kids are walking out and i'm just like i'm taking their souls (laughs) like because that's like that's like a goggins thing where it's like someone's so shocked that you're doing something that they like get their soul taken from them it's like you know it could be a little cringy but i'm just like oh like like, I'm working right now mm-hmm. and that's such a core memory for me but I'm like we were way past the goalpost of what we should have been doing because almost to a fact like, where you're doing too much and like it can get I guess like toxic on you because you're just you're doing too much and it's like almost setting you back it's like if you overtrain in the gym right and like that's what I had felt like it had been like But I mean, if you're making this like your priority now, like, have you ever felt that like with resolve? Like, oh, I'm putting like so much time into this that like, maybe it's not healthy.
0: Maybe it's not healthy. I don't think I've ever thought it wasn't healthy. I think the closest thing to that thought is I was spending a bunch of time on resolve during the day, which would start to push my schoolwork back. And then it would start to stress me out because i was like okay i got all these things that i've got to do for resolve and then i've got all these things that i've got to do for school how can i manage so recently i just like rescheduled my entire day to where now i'll only work on resolve stuff at least major stuff um, during a block of time and that's usually in the evening so that way i'm not super stressed with school stuff and i just get that done during the day so really just being able to partition my day has has remediated that feeling do you think for now like obviously now
1: school is probably your priority right yeah. after <laughs> well i mean well, he's a senior well yeah he's almost. you are a senior but i mean i guess if school's making it higher on earlier in the day oh, yeah. right so that's well, how, because that's how i usually prioritize my day right like the things that are more important to me i'll do earlier in the day not that resolve isn't important to you but do you think that so after after college you're i
2: was just about to a-
1: are you doing you're doing resolve full time yeah okay so then it'll obviously pick up the grind a lot more for that so i mean what's like your plan to like do like a work life balance then cuz i mean i feel like it's very easy to get caught up in the whole like obviously you want to see the company do well so it's very easy for you to get caught up in the whole like working all the time like or working on the project a lot especially considering school will be over
0: Mm-hmm. So one thing that gets brought up a ton, uh, going back to what you were saying of how you hear you, you you listen to people for stints of time. One of my people was Muhammad Ali, and you might have heard this, this soundbite from him. He's like, "I am the greatest," <laughs> like, you, you know that. Everybody's heard that yeah. soundbite, right? And it got me thinking, like what can you be, how, how did he know that he was the greatest in that particular sector? And when he knew that, how did he choose that particular sector? So for Muhammad Ali, it's easy. He's the greatest at boxing. Michael Jordan arguably is the greatest at basketball. And I'm looking at all these people, I'm like, okay, what can I be the greatest at? Like, what can I even strive to be the greatest at? I wouldn't want to say business because while I want to be really, 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 great not good but great at business i'm not sure if i could be the greatest just because i don't want to live a lifestyle like elon musk who's working 90 hours a week um i think he has like three four div- divorces that's not a lifestyle i want to live um i could be the greatest at fitness but at the same time like i don't really like working out <laughs> um,
2: he coming for c please right
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like i don't want to be the biggest like arnold or something like that and so i really got to thinking the greatest that i want to be at is like balance being able to do the lifts being able to be really great at business being able to be like a great husband or or uh what a father whatever it may be but just have a holistic balance and while somebody may be able to stay up later than me and work that's okay you do you but i don't think that person could compete with me when it comes to managing the lifts managing um, at least right now the school the job the the girlfriend all these different things right and so what I look to be is the greatest at balance now I still try I'm going to still try and carry that same philosophy even after college I won't have school but I'll have resolve we're also looking to start up an agency like a design agency so that way we could uh, fund resolve and not take in, take up as much investment so that'll just prop the company up. So I have my time my hands full with that too. Uh, but yeah, I'm not too worried about it, honestly. I'll still be
1: able to manage as I have been. Dude, that's awesome. Balance is like one thing that I we we've, we've talked about this before. It's like something that I think everyone can improve on. So it's like a great thing to try to be the greatest at it. Right. Um, that that was,
2: that was so far. Yeah. That was that was a great way to put that. Yeah. Uh one thing I'm curious about, because I kind of have this dialogue with myself, is I want to have balance, but I also want to spread myself too thin. Mm. So how do you balance those two things at the same time, I guess, or like know the difference of like, oh, am I like going at this holistically and I'm improving in everything, or am I just spreading myself too thin and like I'm not seeing results in any?
0: I wish I had the answer for you on that one.
2: That's a question that I have not, I've thought about so much, but I don't feel like I've ever really been able to find an answer for. Cause I think I'm in a lot of the like same ways of like, that's what I want to be really good at too. Is like being like in the gym, like having like my lifts and numbers as high as they could be, but also like having a podcast that's like doing really well, but also having a pretty solid GPA. And then like all of these things stacked on top of each other, like I want to be good at all of them, but then I feel like I always kind of spread myself too thin And like, I, it's, it's an interesting dilemma. Do you understand what I, do you ever feel like you are spreading yourself too thin? Absolutely. And this is, I I say, I wish I had
0: an answer for you because this is something that I'm honestly still trying to deal with. Like on the outside, it may look like I got everything figured out. I'm getting my lifts in. um, I've got the girlfriend. I've I've got a 4.0 GPA right now. Yeah. Well, after the semester, it's probably not going to be the case, (laughs) but right now we do have a 4.0 GPA. Um, I got a part-time job just to pay the bills. Um, all these different things that I'm doing. But in doing all these things, there are times where I do get overwhelmed. Like especially not last week because last week was uh, Thanksgiving break. But no, the week we before were talk-
2: that. Yeah, we were talking. We saw each other.
0: Yeah. I was like, you saw me and I was just like, <laughs> holy shit, man. I'm, I'm running on fumes right yeah. now, man. And there'll, there'll be days like that which is okay. But my philosophy is that it should never be 2 days in a row that you're skipping heavily on sleep, right? And so, while I haven't been able to figure out exactly what it is to to not spread yourself thin, I have been coming across tools that will be able to help me do so. So there's this book called Essentialism that my buddy Luke uh Luke what's Luke's last name?
2: Clancy. No, not Clancy. Oh, not Clancy. Oh shoot.
0: Luke Amano. Okay, Luke Luke Amano. Amano. You might know him, but um, he was a senior last year, (laughs) so he graduated. He gave me this book called Essentialism. And the premise of this book is less but better. So it's really taking back control of your schedule and cutting out all the fluff, all the things that you think you should be doing that will perpetuate your success. But if you really, really scrutinize what it is that you're doing, they're not needed. And so the few things that you do say yes to, you do those exceptionally, exceptionally well. But everything else, you just throw it by the wayside. And what that's contrary to is this hustle culture. It's like, oh, you should be doing this and you should be starting this business and you should be <laughs> yeah. you know, sleeping three hours a day and all these different things, right? But at the same time, you look at those people and then you look at their life. While they may have Lamborghinis and all the hot models around them, couple years later it's they're experiencing burnout they don't have stable relationships depression anxiety stuff like that and for me what I've noticed is that or what I've started to um, change in my life is I no longer look at what people are tell you to do or what people are doing in the moment but instead look at their results look at the product the the fruits of their labor and when i see things like that the the depression and anxiety from these people these people who are telling me to sleep 3 hours a night and <laughs> grind 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 all the time i'm like yeah that's not the life i want to live so i completely forgot where i was going with that but
2: i yeah. can see like i think the uh, it's it's so bad for me to say this, bro, but the hormozy like season of no yeah like came into my head when you were talking about essentialism. Because honestly, if you could lend me that book, that'd be I'd love, I'd you. love I to read that. Too. Yep. Because when I read, I try to read something that I could apply, because that way I actually feel like I'm learning from the book I'm reading, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's something that I could immediate immediately apply. It's and, a like,
0: super super practical book. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, but yeah, and with yeah, no, with that being said. I had a thought that I wanted to...
1: I wanted to add, I think, like, the whole, like, spreading yourself too thin. Oh, I know. That, that's, that's where we started, I think. <laughs> um, obviously, that's a question that none of us have the answer to and, like, how to differentiate that. But I think the way I've been trying to figure it out more is, like, when I'm doing a bunch of things great and then I start to add more things and then all those things go from being great to good to mediocre that's when you know you're starting to spread yourself too thin. And that happened for me in the beginning of this year. I was doing things great last semester. Then I started to add a whole bunch, started to become – everything was, like, good or mediocre. And then now I've cut a bunch of those things out, and things are, like, starting to go back up. Like, I've started to focus more on the podcast again. School is obviously a big priority. And then, like, just one or two other clubs that I have or other projects that I'm working on. And now things are starting to, like, become – great for me again and it's like when i'm working on just a few things and they're great that's when you know like i feel like that's the sweet spot that you have to like kind of take take five steps back and like look at it and be like all right all those things are working well for me this is where i need to stop and hold it at this position and just know like this is this is like that sweet spot cuz as soon as you add more everything's going to go down to good and then obviously to the mediocre and worse and worse so it's it's important to just like take a couple steps back and like look at how th- everything's going like holistically, which I think what you were getting at. Right. So,
2: with you, what uh, with what you were saying with the whole like uh, like hustle mentality, here can you just um, it reminds I worked at a I worked at a company. Uh, well, I'm not gonna say the name. Anyway. It was like um, a solar company, like the song. solar, yeah, like, like the solar. sun. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like I was, I did door to door sales for like a month, month or two. And kid, there was some kids in my office that one of the kids was 17 and was making three grand a month. And another one was my age and making 250 grand a year. Who? Yeah. Lee? Yeah. So they're, they're <laughs> making. <a laughs> He's ton- like, I'm in the wrong line. <laughs> <of this God. laughs> no, they were making a ton, ton of money, right? But. They were not living lives that, like, I would want to live. And, like, anyone could live whatever life they want, right? Of course. But they're making all of this money. And then every single weekend, they're going downtown, getting bottle service, and going to strip clubs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, like, I look at that. I'm, like, okay, you're making a lot of money. But, you're like, every single day, you're so tired. Like, you're living just a life that, like, frankly, I wouldn't want to live. And, like, I wouldn't trade it, you know? And that was interesting to me. Interesting for me to see on paper. Okay, on paper, they're making 250 grand a year. And I'm making, I don't know, like, if I was not that much, mm-hmm. not even close to that much, right? And some people would look at that and be like, oh, I'd e- easily take the other one. But I'm like, I wouldn't want that. And I think you could easily get it in, like, that game of, like, I don't know. For me, I wouldn't want anyone else's life at yeah. that same point. So I always end up taking the balance at the end of the day. But that was an interesting perspective shift to actually be around like a different group of people than I was used to.
0: Going back to what you were saying and what you were actually saying before, I was reading this article yesterday, and it proposed this, this word that describes the concept of doing nothing. The word is Nixon, or Nixon, depending on <laughs> how you pronounce it. But what the article was saying is that people, they often try and fill their schedules with just things to do. And then when they don't have things to do, they experience this level of stress, especially in our culture now, um, the American culture. It's just like, if you're not doing anything, then you're losing. You're falling behind, right? But the dichotomy with not doing anything is, yes, if you don't do anything to, like, uh, to an extent, if you, if you take it to an extreme and not do anything, you're lazy. And when you do that, you're not getting anywhere, right? But when you're doing too much and you don't put in deliberate times to do nothing, then that's where you start to experience burnout. And so that middle, kind of middle ground of deliberate and intentional time to do nothing is what's called Nixon. And Nikesin, it's they did a whole bunch of study on, studies on it, but it's shown to boost creativity. Uh, that's where like the most creative ideas that people come up with, it's just when they're doing nothing or when they give the brain time to relax and not always focus on going from one thing to another thing to another thing. So that's what I've started to implement in my life. Uh, one of the other things that the the article talked about, which was kind of funny, was, you know, when people show you their schedule and it's like super busy, and you can get the sense that it's, it's kind of like a flex.
1: When you put lunch in your Google Calendar? Yes, yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> so they were talking about how being busy has kind of become this status symbol where it's as if to say oh i'm so busy which means i'm that important of a person and when i saw that on the page i was like damn i'm like you're just like that yeah that's yeah, sure how that, yeah, you like yeah yeah i was just <laughs> about to say it. <laughs> so when when i saw that on the page and see you know when you the fact that you're able to say like damn yeah that's me that takes a level of self-awareness which puts you ahead of a hell of other people, I'm just saying. But, yeah, seeing that that was me and that sometimes I'm just doing it just to do it. It's like saying, oh, uh, oh how many hours did you sleep last night? Well, I slept four hours. I slept eight hours. <laughs> oh, I slept four hours, so I must be better than you. I got four thing. more hours of making money. Right, yeah. type yeah. <laughs> 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 Reading that on the page, I was like, okay, that being me and me having realized that now, I'm going to make a change. And so I've started to implement uh, like deliberate times in my schedule where I'm doing nothing, and if I've completed all my work, whether it's school or Resolve or whatever it may be, and there are blocks in my calendar where I'm doing nothing, okay, that's Great. time for me, and do not feel bad about it, unapologetically
2: so. I like that. I've, I've tried to implement that more. I've went through. I guess the uh, counterpoint to that was like in the like in the spring, I had so so much time, so then I just tried to fill it up with like okay like if I'm getting lunch, I'm gonna get it with someone else if I'm doing getting a lift, I'm gonna get it with someone else so that way like I kind of filled up my schedule and then I kind of kept that habit up of like doing something with somebody else like at the beginning of this semester, and I was so much just natural like I was I had so many more commitments this semester. After, like, the first month of that, I'm like, I can't do this. I love people, but, like, lifting with someone was like, lifting was my, I don't mean if I'm sounding corny, but, like, lifting was becoming my time alone with myself. So, like, I just couldn't afford to do it with somebody else. Like, I needed to be alone to kind of, like, let my head wander because, like, that was when I was actually able to think, and, like, there was peace, like oh, yeah. silence. I could, like, throw in some music and just kind of relax, and I feel like... I don't know. That isn't. Uh, it isn't prioritized enough. Like, cause I've gone through phases where I'm like, bro, I need to be listening to a podcast when I'm listening, mm-hmm. because then it's productive, yeah, and then yeah, I'm yeah. maxing everything out. Every single minute of every day, I'm doing something, and I don't think it's healthy. Cause then you're just not retaining as much, and yeah, you're like, well, wait, what was the actual term for it? Was it like Nixon? So it's N I K. it's like Nixon but Nixon. Yeah.
0: Well, I might be pronouncing it wrong, so it's probably Nixon water uh, Watergate but you've talked about that <laughs> twice of uh, like certain things being cringy the first one was with whatever David Goggins was saying uh, I'll take your soul or something like that <laughs> and then the second one being letting time for your or letting the time in the gym be for yourself I think the reason that we deem these things to be like cringy or kind of like cliche to say is because where we've heard them before is in these cliche scenarios So you take um, somebody who says, like, follow your dreams, but people usually say that in these, like, corporate seminars, and it's coming from, I don't know, cliche people. Affirmations is a huge one, right? That's something that if you were to just say, oh, I am great, I am wealthy, like, it sounds cliche, but there is so much value to these things. I'm telling you, for example, with what you were saying with David Goggins, I guarantee you that pushed you to achieve oh. the thing that you did, right? Yeah. I'm, the the most powerful word in the human language, or at least in the English language, is I am, in my opinion. And that's because whenever you say I am, whatever follows that defines the trajectory of your life. It's only cliche if you believe it to be cliche. But when you remove that notion from your head, it unlocks this massive massive realm of potential and i don't know i'm, I'm like a huge advocate for affirmations and
2: and all that because i've seen it work so much in my life i have a, I have two quick points i want to make <laughs> one quote i kind of live by is actually from my mom and like we were walking someday like we we're in like eighth grade and i said something about i guess it's kind of i feel like awkward corny and cringy kind of always ha- like ha- are in that same like realm right and she's like, well, I said something about something being awkward. It's like, well, it's only awkward if you make it awkward. Right. And like, I feel like awkward, corny, and cringy are all like built on perception. So if you kind of get rid of like societal, like it's literally just whatever like society considers normal. Or like what society considers this. So if you just kind of break the frame of like, I don't consider it that, then it's not cringy, It's not corny. It's not awkward. Right. And that's something that's always stuck with me. The other thing was, one of, my, like, one of the things I was able to articulate in a tweet was like, I'd rather have delusional thoughts lead me to where I want to go mm. than facts stop me from trying. And I feel like that's so true with I am because you could believe something that's false, but if it gets you to where you want to go, then who cares?
0: That's a bar. Yeah. That is that, a yeah. bar.
2: Wait, say that one more time. What? The delusional <laughs> facts. Were- <laughs> I'd rather have delusional thoughts get me to where I want to go then facts stop me from trying.
0: That is a bar. Damn, yeah, that's <laughs> put that valid. on a picture with a sunset behind it. Right. You. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm gonna have to write that one down. I'm, oh yeah.
2: I, I, I like, cause that was just so present in my mind for so many months, and then when I take there's times when I take like 15, 20 minutes to just like put it into a one sentence tweet. You wrote that? Yeah. You wrote that? Yeah. Dude, that's a bar. <laughs> <laughs> that, thank you, bro. <laughs> my goodness. But, I mean, I think a lot of it is just because it was so present in my head, and I'm, like, using it as – I'm using it as something to propel me forward, and it's just in my head so much, you know, that, like, slowly, when I try to explain it, it, like, becomes more and more crystallized, like, over time, like, my understanding of it. Um, and that was, like, a big th- – like, that's the biggest thing I've learned this last year. It's like, okay, it doesn't even matter if it's true. Like, I'll think about it sometimes with this. If, like, I ask a question, and maybe – Maybe it's, like, perceived in, like, the wrong way, right? There is no and advantage for me to believing it's not my fault, right? Maybe it isn't. Like, maybe it's, like, completely on, like, whoever, in any conversation, whoever, like, the other person I'm talking to is. But I gain no advantage for me to believing it's not my fault. Because if I believe it's my fault and I'm not too disparaging about it, I'm like, okay, like, maybe it was just a little way we, like, our tone when we said this. Or maybe it was like this little word choice because then there's a series of actions that follows. And as long as you're not too hard on yourself about it, I, n- I don't think there's any reason to believe that like, it's not your fault. And obviously like there's like exceptions, but I feel like that's kind of under that umbrella of like delusional thoughts at the same time. Cause it's all perception. It's all under that umbrella of perception. Yeah. Right. Cause okay. un- any way that you can set a series of actions after a belief i don't know if i'm just yapping right now Mm -hmm. no
1: no, i was just going to say that's i couldn't agree with that more like that's i've never thought of it like that but listening to what you're saying like that's i 100 percent agree with
0: it right the reason i said that's a bar like three times and (laughs) the audience is probably like all right bro it's a bar (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i resonate with that so so heavy because you take startup statistics for example They say like 90% of startups will fail, and even of the 10% that will succeed, they'll be out of business by like three years. The statistics are completely against us. We will lose according to the statistics. But that shouldn't stop us from trying. Exactly. And I feel like the one thing that I've always said to myself is, okay, for me, I am like stupid confident about (laughs) where we will take resolve, okay? Uh, this is something that we're going to sell the coinbase Uh, we will take this to the moon and back and like I I have all these beliefs in my head but I have to remind myself okay William don't be delusional now in reminding myself that I don't want to make that a limiter is what it is but instead it's like a, a grounding in reality but delusion I think is a good thing because What's the opposite of delusion? It's probably like grounding or something, right? Complete realism. And if we go by complete realism, it's the facts. So the say it one more time.
2: Thoughts take me to where I want to go, then facts stop me from trying. Yes, bro.
0: That The thought that I just made was super choppy. But the point there is without these delusional thoughts and simply abiding by the facts, you will get nowhere. It's the delusional thoughts that make you crazy enough to think that you actually can. And I think it was Steve Jobs who said this. The people who are crazy enough to believe that they can actually do. That's the only way. Yeah. You've got to be delusional.
2: Hey, man. Shout out Steve Jobs. Yeah. yeah there's, a, there's another example that I kind of like see that come true as well where I don't know, like let's say in high school if – okay. In high school, like, let's say I bring, like, 100 different girls, like, home to my parents. I'm like, this is going to be my girlfriend. 99 times out of 100, they're not, like, I'm wrong, right? I'm incorrect. Like, they're going to tell me, like, oh, like, she's not going to be the one. Like, why are you even trying, right? And even though they're correct, they're not necessarily right. Or it's not the right way to think about it. Because even though they're correct, then I'm not going to have the one out of 100 times that I actually do bring home, like, the girl that, like, I'm actually going to marry, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's, with you, we're going, like, startup statistics, and, um, and just kind of, like, seeing statistics and, like, oh, like, actually, like, is it worth it? Because, like, I mean, if you look at, like, divorce rates, you're like, oh, like, I shouldn't get married, right? But still, you kind of got to have that, like, blind optimism, again, in the words of Steve Jobs, um, that, like, everything's going to work out, and, like, when you look back, like, you're going to be able to connect the dots. And there's power in that and kind of, like, having that blind optimism, having that delusion in the present to be able to, like, go through, like, the actions that may not seem feasible now. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's why I've been saying this with Resolve. I truly believe that it is not the case that we can fail. We cannot fail because the only thing that will cause us to fail is if we stop. And stopping is in my control. So if I choose not to stop, I can't fail. That's the logic I go through. And that that
1: that's like that's like the best mentality to have, right? Because I mean this kinda goes back to our mentality with the podcast, right? I mean it, it, it kinda touches so say,
2: it. say the line you said at your Procter and Gamble internship. The Do you remember um, it?
1: Um was it the infinite? Yeah. yeah. The <laughs> infinite goals, yeah. 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 Finite goals? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's basically the same thing. Um so there's infinite goals and finite goals. And the infinite goal is basically what you're doing, right? Um yeah. you're in resolve until you're not in resolve like you control how long you're in resolve right if you set a finite goal for resolve it'd be like all right resolve has reached my like capacity or like resolve not capacity resolve has like reached what i wanted to reach once it makes like a net profit of two hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever (laughs) once you put that like monetary or like not even monetary once you put that like numerical value on it you're now like at a finite goal because there's an ending point like there's a light at the end of the tunnel for it um we have like a similar thing with the podcast for that, right? Like that's why we didn't buy all those followers because we don't, like we don't, we <laughs> yeah. don't, we don't have like a number. We don't care like if we get two million followers, we're not that or like two thousand followers. There's no like number to stop it for us, so that's like we're not in that whole like finite game with it. And the infinite game for us is like we're in it to learn more from people like you, learn more from our past guests and our future guests. So like that's how we do it, but it's like the same for you and. I used that in my internship interview. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so, he, bagged it. he yeah. bagged it.
2: So, yeah. But,
1: but yeah, I, that's basically the same thing.
2: Yeah. Our, uh, like when you play an infinite game, it's not when we reach X, it's to keep playing the game, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And we're just in it to keep playing the game. And you're just in it to keep playing the game. Yeah. yeah. So you can't lose unless you leave the table. So let me ask you this. At some point or another,
0: given any project or goal, you will have kind of achieved where you wanted to be right you will have gotten to the mountaintop my question and this is something that i've personally been like thinking through a ton is when you reach the mountaintop what's the motivation to keep going
2: what do you mean by that metaphor of okay. reaching the mount- mountaintop
0: and so to elaborate on that the thing that i've been experiencing personally in my life is I said earlier I hate the gym. I don't hate the gym, but it has been the case that I feel like I've achieved the goals that I set out to achieve. And now it's like I've reached this mountaintop, and I don't know how to keep going because the motivation, I won't say it's not there, but it's definitely not strong enough to keep me going when it gets hard. I think there's
1: there's two ways to think about it at least the way i think of it (laughs) yeah my head's
2: in two places too and one of them you probably know (laughs) but
1: um at least like when i think of it as a mountaintop is like now i'm at the peak and like you're coming down on the other end i think like it's important not to think of it like that you got to think of it like all right mountaintop made it to the climb um now like let me make sure i don't like go back down let me make sure i stay at that top or the other way of thinking of of it is there is no mountaintop you keep going but Which is the way that, like, you would ideally want to think of it. But, like, life happens. That's not the way it always goes. So, I mean, I think, like, there, the way to think of it is, yeah, now you've reached the mountaintop. Never come back down, right? Don't think of it as a peak. But if you have to plateau for a little bit, that's fine. But you have to understand that at some point you have to have the mentality to go back on that climb. Because never settle, right? Mm-hmm. Never settle. Right.
2: The two things, that I w- the two ways I would think of, one of them is don't even almost think about it as like a mountain. Think, reframe it as just a game. And maybe even it's like a marathon where, again, like we were saying with the podcast, the goal, in this case, the gym, the goal isn't to be in the best shape. It's to stay in the best shape. Hmm. So it's almost just reframing the goals in your head. Because then, like your metrics for success change. It's not oh, like am I benching? I don't know. Like, can I bench two like two eighty yet, or whatever it may be? The goals are like, do I still feel good like after lifting? Like, do I still have the same like quality of life? I guess where I am like everything is just like peaceful. I can feel the endorph- endorphins flowing, and all that. One thing, and I think that we've talked about this before, when it just comes to dopamine. I think we actually had this conversation. I think like Henry was talking about like, Will when if it, Will's in the gym and he's like curling and that. Do you, do you remember what I am talking yeah, about? Yeah, the three yeah. types of fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I've gone through periods where I am just in the gym and I am like, why am I like I am lifting, but like I am just kind of here. Like I've got my AirPods and I am like, why am I even listening to music? Like I am not really enjoying this mm. as much as I used to anymore. And then I start to think like it's just got to be like. I just maxed out my dopamine, like, receptors where I'm, like, now that baseline is I need those things to enjoy my gym session, right? So then what I did, like, for the first, like, three weeks before I came back to school is I just went no music and then I went no pre. So I was just, I was just lifting. And, like, first time I'm like, this kind of sucks. But then the second time is, like, you just enjoy it a little bit more. Like, you enjoy it a little. And then you get to... Enjoy the act for the act itself again,, hmm. and that's more in like just dopamine release and whatever it may be, but then then like, then, when you have pre oh okay, I feel dangerous now, it's like I'm back, you know, and then they spike above where that previous threshold was, so I mean there's two ways you could kind of think about it one is like one is kind of like my Huberman mind talking right,' and the, the hor uh
0: intermittent reward system. Is exactly what you were talking about?
2: Yeah, I I think that's, like, the technique. Like, one's the Huberman brand talking, one's the Hormozy brand talking. Mm. Um, (laughs) But that's what, I mean, that's where, like, my head would go. Okay. I think just framing it as a mountaintop in your head is, like, kind of where the problem stems. Yeah. And also, I think you could benefit by getting your frame broken, too. Oh, absolutely. Of being in the gym with someone that, like, puts up, I mean, I don't know how much you bench, but, like, whatever it may be. But, like, some guy Uh, that – 3.15. (laughs) 3.15. Okay, okay, okay. That's what – yeah. Like, if if you're in the gym with someone that benches four plates, you're like, oh, like, damn. And see,
0: that's the thing that I I was thinking of doing. I was thinking of just, like, okay, maybe making bigger goals. Because originally my goal was to look like Michael B. Jordan. (laughs) But I don't mean to be ostentatious or anything. I've achieved that goal. Like, if I were to take off my shirt off right now, bro, I might even surpass Michael B. Jordan. Damn. (laughs) damn. But that's what I'm saying. I am. I am. You feel (laughs) me? (laughs) But Uh. that's the thing. Like, I've achieved all the goals that I've set for myself, in high school especially. I remember as a freshman, uh, we had to write letters to our senior selves.
2: That's awesome.
0: And I I remember specifically the thing that I wrote on that paper was – Oh, Will, right now you're this skinny little kid, uh, skinny freshman. You weigh like 120 pounds. By senior, when you're in your senior year, I want you to be huge. I want you to be swole. Now, it wasn't my senior year that I got like super big, but I've been able to meet that expectation that I set from my freshman self. And now it's like the, the thing that got me to where I want to be is no longer the thing that I feel like is going to keep me here. That's where I've got to come up with a bigger goal. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
2: No, I. In a way, I mean, I'm not to that point yet, but I've definitely. I think, like, I, I like another like one of my like recurring thoughts. Like, I got into a tweet was something along the lines of like, I read a list like very similar to that of like I made a list in COVID of who I want to be and like the future, or, like two three years, and I'm re- going through that list and not in any I don't know what cool adjective you use what is it starts so like it sounds like my name uh ostentatious oh ostentatious Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like when you said it the first time yeah. it's a register but i'm like i am that now like i'm like a lot of those qualities i'm like i've worked on that like i am that now but i don't like i don't know but to a point it's like okay like what now and there's still a lot of attributes to my video game character that can be upgraded still but i don't feel like I don't feel like I have as many points to go as I used to. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to incentivize now because I I understand what you're saying. Um, And it's been something that's kind of been present in my head as well, especially in the gym because, I mean, there's a a lot that I could go to, but I'm like, now we're regarded in the way that we want it to be in a lot of ways. For me, I
0: think um, what it really stems from is this fundamental reason of, like, I need to revisit my why. I think it's my why that I might have forgot or since I've achieved all these goals that it's gotta change given my current state. I mean, this is just something that, like you said, when you write it down and uh, you take this deliberate and intentional time to think through these things, I'll inevitably find it. But for now, that's an answer I'm still searching for. And to keep me in the gym, there's like these short-term fixes, the motivational videos, um, the affirmations, uh, like the pre. I don't drink too much pre, but just like once in a while. Stuff like that. But I still deem these
2: things to be short-term fixes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're what? Are, are you 22? 21. 21? Yeah. Well, we still have a lot of answers. Like, we we don't need to know it all at this point. And, I mean, it's good that there's still the, like, I mean, I still don't know anything. And, like, you don't know anything. Like, we still don't know anything. So it's good that, like, there's a lot of these questions we don't have answers to. Um, but there's one last thing I wanted So as to kind of like wrap it up, Uh, this was a Homozi quote that we had. (laughs) Uh, We've talked about him a lot now, so I guess it seems a little cliche, but it's ultimately in the movie, like the Rocky cut scenes only 30 seconds, right? But in life, it's like a lot longer, like it's years. Like our friend Casper was doing like this for like, he's been making Instagram theme pages and content for like seven years. Like Austin has been doing brothers nuts for like six years, right? And it takes time, and then that movie—it's only thirty seconds, but the grind's a lot longer than that. Like, what does that, like, kind of like mean to you? Whether that's in like lifting, or whether that's like within resolve, and these areas where you have to make down payments, and you're not necessarily sure if you're going to get your crypto back. Mm. <laughs> you had me up until the last part. <laughs> tie
0: it back. Tie right. back that. back. <laughs> uh, that's a great analogy rocky cutscene because I feel like I'm in mine right now and the reason that I had brought up that last point and why I'm like thinking about this uh, all the time now is because while yes this instance right now has to deal with the gym the fact that I've developed this routine and now it kinda honestly the routines getting old that'll eventually happen with resolve that'll eventually happen with your relationships but it's up to you to kind of reignite that spark that first got you in there in the first place. And so if I can learn this lesson now, then I can really just apply it, given maybe a few tweaks to all these other scenarios. But it being
2: this rocky cutscene, the the question was... Essentially, I actually had a follow-up that I was ready to ask. Okay. Um, I think you answered my question there. Okay. When it comes to... For somebody that else that might be in that rocky cutscene, yeah. but it just... Like, they don't realize that they're going to end up winning the fight, right? But they're in that grind, and they don't really know what's going to happen next. Like, what does it feel like, and how do you, like, motivate yourself to, like, keep, keep pushing through?
0: Mm. Dude, this shit is not easy. It is not easy. There's times where... Yeah, bro, this... You'll, you'll ask anybody who is on the path to greatness or has achieved greatness, and they'll let you know their war stories but it's one thing to hear it on a podcast and then experience it for yourself. It's currently the case that I'm experiencing it. And yeah, there's times where you're like, like the, the time that you saw me and we were just running on fumes. When that happens a couple of days in a row, you're just like, damn, bro, is this even worth it? At the end of the day, we're all gonna die. If God forbid I was to get in an accident like tomorrow or today, it would have all been for nothing. So what's the point in even doing all this stuff? But then there's kind of two ways that you can look at it. There's one, yeah, we're going to die, so nothing matters. Or we're going to die, so nothing matters. <laughs> you might as well try. Marcus Aurelius, he says, um, soon, you will have been, soon you will have been forgotten and soon everyone will have forgotten you, which kind of speaks to that first point you're going to die so what's the point of doing anything but then maya angelo she has this other quote that says people won't forget people will forget what you said people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel and so what that speaks to is this this fundamental principle that i think kind of governs our universe which is the ripple effect the fact that we make this decision here and we make this decision today, and although we might not know it right now, it's going to affect generations and generations and generations down the line. Even when the world explodes, the impact that humans made on this planet will affect some stars out there, right? So the action that you take now has a bunch more significance than you, than you realize. And when you realize that fact, I think that's the thing that keeps you going, that you just got to do what you've been called to do and so at the end of the day just do it type thing wow, wow.
2: That, that, that that was beautiful
1: Hey, talk about a bar
2: yeah, <laughs> honestly, honestly well we are looking it is we are gotta wrap up thank you so much will like that that was like that was a that, perfect way to end it yeah honestly. that was, that was like, a real perfect way to end it yeah um so yeah thank you for being here thank you for being dude on this that, has been dope podcast yeah And then for all of you guys listening, I hope you have a great rest of your day. If you could leave a five-star review, it helps a lot with SEO. Um, And getting our name up and other people to discover this podcast. So thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: (laughs) Deuces. That was sick.